Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, Susan Hobson returns to dive deeper into leadership development. We discuss the importance of teammates. We discuss how psychological safety and trust are cornerstones of leadership and cornerstones of high-performing teams. And we talk about how vulnerability is the key aspect to developing connection, to developing influence, and to leading high-performing teams. If you want to reach your highest potential and become a high-impact leader, both personally and professionally, join the Leadership Launchpad Project today. For details and to learn more about the Leadership Launchpad Project, go to robsreliability.com leadership. We are giving you $500 off the regular price until September 1st, so sign up. Just so you know, there are limited spots available and signups close on September 14th. So don't miss out on this great opportunity. Trust me, you definitely don't want to miss out on this program. It's changed my life and I'm looking forward to changing yours. Thanks for listening. And here's the interview with Susan Hobson. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode two of the Leadership Launchpad. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Today, I mean, obviously, we have Susan Hobson, our leadership expert. Susan, how are you? I'm excellent. Firing on all cylinders as usual. Thank you, Rob. Thanks no. for having me. Oh, no, absolutely. It's great to have you back. And I guess what we wanted to talk about today, just to start off, was I've gotten a lot of messages lately from the community and for me, what I'm really starting to see is this aspect of loneliness, this aspect of people are out there in their facilities and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to impact the people around them. They're trying to get buy-in for their programs. They're going to trying to get buy-in for their initiatives, but they have nobody that they can confide in, nobody that they can talk to. And I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious because I'm getting emails from all around the world saying like, hey, I don't want to talk about this at my office or I don't feel comfortable talking about this stuff at the office, but I want to talk to you or me specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, I know as part of the leadership launchpad project, like we have this team aspect, like how is that sort of going to mesh together for people? Like how does that team aspect help us take ourselves to the next level? Well, I know you and I are team sport athletes, so we fundamentally understand the value of, you know, that uh, locker room dynamic. But essentially, that's sort of the metaphor here in terms of what group coaching offers, uh, you know, as an accelerant to growth, which is, yeah, this, this whole experience of feeling like you get to connect with and align with and resonate with like-minded people who are really kind of going after, you know, like-minded goals, like-minded values, going after the same things. Um, And that really is what this type of group coaching experience is all about, right? It's like you're making a proactive decision to to develop and grow alongside people that are, are also in that headspace and in that mindset, which is not often the case, even though we're, we're in these organizations and we're working alongside, 
you know, uh, our colleagues, I'm not even going to say our teammates, because it's like, it's not the same kind of uh, vibe in, in that kind of experience. Um, yeah, when you're, when you're working in an organization, what's different about that is that it, you don't have that same kind of vulnerability that you have in a locker room. You know, when you're in a locker room, and we can speak this way because we've been in lots of locker rooms ourselves, playing on lots of teams, you know, you're behind closed doors and you know that it's safe, you know, to be honest, to be real, to be vulnerable in expressing, you know, what's really going on behind the scenes in your training as you're going and growing after that kind of collective goal. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's safe because, you know, you, you trust that the people that are inside the four walls of that experience, um, yeah, you can, you can trust that their experiences are real and authentic because, you know, they're not afraid that they're going to get in trouble. They're not afraid that they're going to be judged. They're not afraid that they're going to be shamed, right, for speaking up and speaking their mind. Um, whereas when, yeah, you're in, in a locker room, you know, that's, that's, that's the feeling that you have is that you're confident that you can speak up and say like, Hey, you're not, you're not passing me the puck on that, on that breakout. Like what the heck is going on? Because in a locker room, there's a fundamental belief that even speaking up and giving that feedback to your teammate is good for your teammate. It's good for you. It's good for your teammate because that real honest feedback is what you need to elicit you need to get at so that you actually can figure out how to make that breakout successful. And it's something I think I see, I mean, first off with respect to, you know, people feeling that fear, like that's what I've gotten and heard back from the community a lot. A lot of these messages, right. they even say in them, they're like, I want to talk to you about it, but I don't want to come on the podcast to talk about it because I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job or I'm afraid I'm not going to get the next promotion or I'm afraid of this or that. Mm -hmm. and, and then the other aspect is just like this whole, you know, like this vulnerability piece or this psychological safety piece where it's like, I think that that's one thing that we miss at work. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, maybe the managers that we have or the leadership that we have at work, they're not able to foster that environment where you're allowed to actually be real without fear of the mm -hmm. course. Like, mm -hmm how important or, or like as part of this process, like how are we going to foster that psych safety where people are allowed to be real, where, you know, we're not going to judge them. We're not going to call their boss. We're not going to do mm -hmm. anything like that. How do we make sure that that's going to happen? Yeah. I think that's, what's different about this, right? Like being in a, in a private behind the gates, you know, group coaching experience is that there's like a fundamental baseline, uh, ground, ground rules, if you will. We call it code of, code of conduct, you know, in terms of how we do this on a team in sports. But uh, yeah, there's, there's certain ground rules that are set, you know, before you even get into that kind of relationship with your teammates in a group, group coaching experience, which is that, you know, that's not allowed. You're not allowed to judge anybody for what they say, right? You're, you're, the, the ground rules are that you're only supposed to come from a space and a place of saying things from a supportive, you know, uh, attitude or intention. Um, that if you're saying something, you're saying it because you know that it's, it's, it's meant to help somebody. Um, yeah. And I just think that having that type of ground rule, you know, from the, from the get-go and setting that kind of expectation is how you start to create that psychological safety, right? Is that like you, if you all buy into that and you know that that is something that you, everybody aligns on, 
um, and that everybody is going to be holding you accountable to. I mean, that is the role of the coach. The coach like, is the same in both contexts of sports and also in the coaching um, group coaching experience is that, um, yeah, it's just, it's not going to be tolerated. It's not going to be allowed. Right. Yeah. And I think for me, like, obviously it's important. I think the other aspect to it that I see throughout the community is every plan I've ever gone to across North America, they always said the same thing. We're different. We're unique. Mm-hmm. And they'll give you some reason why. And yet mm-hmm. they all experience the same problems. They all like each, you know, reliability person, maintenance person, whoever, they're all seeing the same things, but yet they think they're unique. And I think mm-hmm. one thing about this experience is, you know, it's going to be multi-industry. It's going to be multi, you know, roles. Like it's not just going to be maintenance folk. It could be anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that just understanding that we're still doing people problems. It's still a leadership issue. All these things, like you're going to get so much more of a broad spectra mm-hmm. of experiences. You're going to see that you're not alone in the world, which I think is such a huge thing for us mm-hmm. as we're trying to, you know, take on these big challenges. And I think mm-hmm. like, I just wanted to talk about it first because I know and I see from everybody out there, like you're lonely, you're struggling, and you feel like you can only talk to me, but there's other people out there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that is massively important, uh, especially the context of the world, people working from home right now, like that's, I'm hearing a lot of that is like people are feeling very isolated. So the need for that connection and calibration is greater than it's ever been. But uh, having that kind of a cross-section in terms of that diversity of thought and that diversity of experience is actually what, what is actually what makes this such a rich experience, right? Because, you know, yeah, you're coming from, from different industries and spaces and places, but you're going to see that there's a common thread in terms of, you know, the issues that are coming up, right? The experiences that these human beings are having as it pertains to leadership, um, that are actually quite similar to yours. And I think that's very powerful, right? Because I think it's, you know, what helps us to realize that uh, just even collectively as human beings in this world, it's like, we're not, we're not alone. Like we're, we're sharing a lot of the same adverse experiences, in fact. Um, and I just think that that's very, very, it's very, very powerful feeling for us to be able to experience as human beings. Yeah, belonging's huge. I, and I know it's something that a lot of the listeners will, will kind of relate to is like, I've been hosting the, the podcast live and there's also been some hangouts and mm-hmm. the hangouts have actually been doing better than the live podcast. And I think it's people are mm-hmm. searching for belonging. They're mm-hmm. searching for a group of like-minded people who mm-hmm. are trying to do the same things, push the limits and Mm-hmm. just like feel like they belong. And I know throughout my career, that's one thing that I've struggled with, especially in, you know, these roles where you're trying to do something new, you're mm-hmm. trying to, you know, change the way that you've always done it. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard for people to feel like they belong when you're trying to just overhaul the whole system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that that is, is a very common thing that I hear when I meet with one-on-one clients. It's just like, you know, how alone they feel you know, in the context of their organizations or their work environment, because, you know, they in fact are growth minded individuals that are trying to challenge the status quo. Um, And because of 
like we said, the lack of psychological safety in the work context, it's not actually something that they feel that they share with their colleagues. Like even though they're going after the same technical goals in terms of the organization's goals and what the organization has, has sort of mapped out as being the goals for everybody. Um, yeah, I think that that is some of what this type of experience really offers, right? Is the fact that you actually get to align yourself with a group of individuals that come from a space and a place of, of valuing very similar things, which means, you know, that you're, you're going after very similar things, which means you're, you're probably experiencing a lot of the same kinds of struggles and roadblocks, right? And I just think all those connection points is really what leads to that sense of belonging and acceptance and, and, and connection and, and, and ultimately resonance, which is just, it's so, it's such a powerful aspect of our growth, you know, um, that I just think, yeah, I think that that's something that is very unique about having a behind the gates experience with like-minded people. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, we've talked about teammates. It's funny. Like when I, I started training with a swim team early, like in high school to really like get my level up in the, like for polo. Right. And, I, and the first, like I was probably, I was two years younger and I was jumping in with guys who were 18, 19 and they were like people who have trained from 10 years old being a swimmer. And I was getting lapped every 200 meters <laughs> and it was really bad for the first year. But then like after a while, you just like, you had to go harder. You had to go harder. You had to go harder to keep up. Yeah. And then after a while, you know, it's like after a year or two, I was at like, I was at their level. And I think for me, it's, this is the same thing is like throughout my career, what I've noticed and struggled with is these organizations, they stand up and they say, we want to be world-class in mining. We want to be world-class in reliability, but yet they don't foster that in their culture. Like they're, they're shutting down all the new, like, I want to try something new. No, we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And so this here, you're going to find a group of people who are also trying to push. They're also trying to actually get better, whether that's, you know, from a maintenance perspective or, or just in better in their lives as leaders. And mm -hmm. I think like, to me, that's going to be the most valuable part of the whole thing. I think that's the problem, right? Like when you're in an organization where you feel like people aren't congruently aligned with what, what you value, what's most important to you, what drives you, I think it could be very demotivating, right? Because you, again, you feel like you're the only one. And if you're the only one amongst the many and you're a collective team trying to drive towards a goal, you kind of, kind of feel like, what's the point, <laughs> right? You feel like, like the minority. But I think when it's the majority, meaning that's the culture and that's the shared belief system and the shared set of values, right, is that everybody is, is there for the same reason, then I think it has this really powerful effect on your motivation, right, which is it's inspiring when you hear about your teammates, you know, using certain tactics or strategies and implementing certain things that actually are working for them. It's very exciting for you because, again, it's like, you're aligned with that person and you can sort of feed off of that, that draft energy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's also very motivating because, you know, when you see other people that are pushing and challenging their limits, it's like, of course, you don't want to be left behind, <laughs> right? You want to be, there's like a social accountability piece where it's like, you want to make sure that you're going and you're trying to do that in your own lane so that when you come back, you have something positive to contribute to your teammates in terms of your real-time experiences. I mean, that's, that's somehow how this works, right? Is when you come back with the real-time 
feedback from actually going in your own lane and, and, and implementing these strategies. It's like you learn so much from hearing about that in your teammates that you want to actually contribute to the collective. Um, and that's sort of, that's sort of how everybody really helps one another along, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, it motivates you subconsciously to want to be accountable to pushing and challenging your own limits in your own lane. Yeah, and that's that, that old Jim Rome quote where it's like, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Yeah, and totally. Th this is going to be basically a way for you, you know, to, to up-level your five. And yeah. I think that's one thing that I've seen throughout my life is like you get stuck sometimes and it's about meeting somebody new. Like I met you and that sort of up leveled me. And so it's like, it's all about, I mean, not all about, but sometimes it's about meeting a new person yeah. that you really connect with. It's a big factor. It's called the law of association, which states that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And that's because we know that's what affects our belief systems, right? It's like the people we spend the most time with. Um, it says that you are the average happiness, weight, like income, like all these like massively important things, right? In terms of our performance. Uh, yeah, it, it, it basically states is like when you're spending all that time with them, you're doing that because you align with them. You believe in those people. Those when people are important to you and therefore they have impact and influence over your belief systems you know you obviously spend time with them because you trust them <laughs> um, and that that rapport is obviously a huge entry point into their actions and behaviors and decisions rubbing off on yours um, yeah and also it's just it's inspiring right when you're around people who are showing you that it's possible who are modeling what that looks like and what that feels like it's like that creates a model in your own mindset in terms of you know, just how, how exactly you can do that too. Love it. Love it. So now like we talked a little bit about the team aspect, but we wanted to kind of walk people through like, what is it, what is this whole leadership launchpad program about? What are they going to do? What are they going to get? And, you know, like, obviously we've worked together for, you know, almost a almost a year now. Mm -hmm. um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about me and how it played out for me. So I guess the first one we, we kind of wanted to talk about was this self-worth belief. Coming in, I didn't think that, basically I had myself down. I started seeing myself as this guy who's only valuable for the work that I produce. And this has played out, you know, through my academic career, through my athletic career, and even through my own career as like a reliability professional where it's, you know, it's all about how much dollars are you saving? And then if you're not saving dollars, what are you really doing here? Like, how did we go about, maybe we should touch on like, how did this sort of transform me and how I've sort of showed, started to kind of step out now? Yeah, I think uh, this is really, what mindset uh, strategy architecture is all about, right? It's just really just meeting you where you're at and understanding sort of what your roadblocks are. Um, and so when you came to me, do you remember reporting what that was? Do you remember what the reason was that like compelled you to pick up the phone and call me? Because that really was the starting point of how we knew to get at that self-worth deficit. Yeah, I mean, there was two aspects to it. So when we, when we talked first, 
what I was saying was I wanted to use this audience, this podcast to launch a business. And then the second aspect was earlier that year. So it would have been February of 2019. I actually had lost my job Mm -hmm. and I still had this audience. I still had this community, but I never took any steps forward to actually trying to launch that business that I've kind of wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really understand why I didn't do anything when I had the quote unquote, perfect timing. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of where we started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, that's, that's the resistance, right? It's like, there was something that you wanted, you had clearly identified that that was important to you, but you couldn't get out the gates with it. Mm-hmm. And so we really, where we started with, it was just really just trying to understand what your motivational strategies were, right? Because ultimately that's what needs to be happening behind the scenes. If you're actually going to go into a new space and move in the direction of something that you want to grow and something new that you want to experience. Um, But that wasn't happening. So it's like you didn't have the motivation for some reason, even though you were saying to me that you wanted to do it. Um, And so what did we find when we started to dig into your motivational strategies? (laughs) It was all the extrinsic stuff that was really motivating. And then when I wasn't doing, I kept beating myself up for not doing. And that was really the big piece that, you know, made it get so dark so quickly was that basically I thought I hadn't done anything since 2010. Like since I graduated college, I felt like I was sort of not doing what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And how did that make you feel? <laughs> I mean, everyone listening is going to know, right? It's, it made me feel, yeah, like worthless. Like I made me feel depressed. I was suicidal. Like it was really dark at times because, and I kept you know, like it's a, it's a loop, right? It's like, you're not doing, so you feel bad about yourself. So you attack yourself. So you feel bad about yourself. So you don't do, and it just like keeps going around and around. And, and I think that was the hardest part is like, how do you actually break that cycle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, that first and foremost, why you have to identify what the deficit is, right? You can't just tell yourself to move forward and white knuckle it. Okay. Cause if, if we could, if we could do that, we'd all be doing it. Um, but it was just really just trying to get behind the gates of the belief system. You said, um, a second ago, which is the belief that you were wor- uh, unworthy or worthless because, and the proof and evidence being that you hadn't done anything or done enough. Right. And the, and the, I guess, 10 years since or nine years at the time since you graduated from school. And so that really is where you affect change. It, it's, it's on that subconscious level and understanding that limited belief, right? That's, that's obviously got you stuck in that loop of, of really limited emotions, like feeling, you know, um, you know, down on yourself and feeling, like we said, worthless and feeling, you know, incapable because of all of that. So we challenged that at its, at its core. We, we were able to identify that that was the problem. We were then able to identify the proof, which is kind of how you deconstruct these belief systems. I always say belief systems are like a tabletop. They need legs of proof to exist. Um, so do you remember how we did that? Yeah, for me, I mean, the biggest thing was seeing myself for who I truly am and not who I think I should be or think society thinks I should be or this conditioned version of myself, which was the guy who needed to work hard to get value. And then seeing that for who or seeing myself for who I am was really enlightening. It was like, I'm an empath. I'm this big hearted guy. I'm this guy that cares about my community in this unbelievably strong way. Like 
I didn't mm-hmm. even realize how much I could feel mm-hmm. until, you know, recently, really. And it's, it's just changed everything, right? Like that worth piece changed the story from being my only worth was, you know, doing condition monitoring or doing risk analysis or finding spare parts value. And now it's my value is, Hey, like I've been in these cultures, I've experienced poor leadership. It's actually psychologically hurt me and in a mental health way. And now I have to help you because this Mm -hmm. is like my truth now. Yeah, I think if you notice that game-changing moment, that TSN turning point, that's what we call a pivot, right? Where you went from having to go outside of yourself to get what you needed to feel inside of yourself because that's what you were doing with that whole strategy of, of being a human doing, right? You believed that your value was in the next thing, the next thing, like whatever it was that you were able to achieve, quote-unquote, uh, externally in terms of result, like that that was your assessment of what, uh, yeah, the proof and the evidence of value. Yeah. And so that was the turnaround, right? It's like, I always say, you, there's nothing reliable or sustainable about going outside of yourself to get what you need to feel inside of yourself. Because the second that goes away or you can't reach it, how do you feel? You feel deficit. You don't have what you need to feel to move ahead in the direction of what it is that you want. Hence the glass ceiling, right? Or the roadblock. So that was the turnaround is that we actually rerouted and rewired your brain to actually realize that all the proof and the evidence that you ever needed or would ever need was actually inside of yourself. And that was a really powerful turnaround, right? Because that was something that you were now in control of. That's where you take a client from feeling powerless to powerful, because now you see there's a depth of resources that you can use to keep that gas tank full at all times, right? And you learned how to do that brain training to be able, you know, to reprogram that, that belief system with all that new intrinsic proof and evidence of value. And that's like the, the changing that powerless to powerful, that's really personal leadership, right? right. And I know we've talked about it before, but it's like a lot of the times, especially I see it at every plant I've ever been to, Mm -hmm. Is people, they get in this spot where they feel powerless. They're like, I can't change anything because nobody will listen to me. Mm -hmm. I can't implement whatever they're trying to implement because nobody will listen to me. Mm -hmm. And so they, they just turn off. And like, I've been there before that you just turn off and you're like, well, I'm not going to even try. Right. And I think like one is it takes a huge amount of courage and strength to even realize this and to ask somebody for help to say like, Hey, you know, mm-hmm. this is, this is something I need help with. But there's also this other aspect where it's like, once you start taking ownership of how you're showing up and what you actually can impact, because it's going to be something, it may not be, you know, this massive thing that you want, but you can, you can impact something tiny. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, your whole, mindset changes your whole like day changes your whole life changes like even it could be something as small as like you going to the gym by yourself Mm -hmm. right like even that will put you in a positive mood for the rest of the day and start you know moving you towards something yeah that that's the, the the trick right like that's that's what mindset strategy is it's understanding you know that beliefs kind of govern the results right and the beliefs being the things that are responsible for how we feel. 
um, which is in fact what drives our decisions, our behavior, and our results. And so I think the key in mindset is that you always, always, always want to discipline yourself to, to stay focused on the controllables, right? It doesn't feel good to be focused on something that you can't control, feeling like you need it, but you can't control it or impact it. That's a very powerless state, right? And so there's a ripple effect to that in terms of, like we were talking about, 70% disengagement, right? It's just like, yeah, if you don't believe that you can impact the change that you want to impact, it's very demotivating, but if your value is connected to that, that result and feeling like you need to impact that result in order to prove that you're, you, you have value, then, then it can get a lot you know, darker than that in terms of feelings of worthlessness or hopelessness. Um, but yeah, no, it's the, it's this, it's the whole, that's, that's the power of learning how to create these mindset strategies that teach you where to go inside of yourself to be able to control the states that you need to be in control of so that you can make sure that you are just bringing everything that you have to the table because that in fact is like, that's the goal for all of us as human beings in personal leadership, right? It's like, you can't actually control the result. You can just control what it is that you do that you bring to the table. That's going to have some sort of a positive ripple effect in terms of your results. And that's something, you know, I was having a conversation this morning about, some people were asking the return on investment of this program, mm -hmm. right? And to me, that's really the root of it, right? Is a lot of us in our career, we're bonused off of, you know, it could be something like profitability on what we manufacture. It could be on total units we manufacture. Basically, it's a bunch of things. Usually that we don't, we have like minute control over or zero control or impact over. I think with this program, what you'll find is you'll start feeling like a leader. You'll start changing how you show up and really focusing on the things you can control. And then even if like, let's say you're, a, you know, at a plant, there's people around you that you can influence to go after things that they control. And that's where that ripple effect to start to happen. And, you know, at the end of the day, eventually you will you know, make a dent on that top line number, but it's really about just getting in there and starting. Yeah, I think it's, um, yeah, I just think it's everything we just talked about, right? It's like, if you don't have the right strategies to be in a state that actually can impact and influence those around you, then, you know, like that's the worst case scenario. <laughs> but if you feel like you understand first and foremost, how to own your role and how you impact and influence yourself, first and foremost, that's going to put you into a state of confidence and motivation, which is going to, it's going to, it's going to impact people's reception to the things that you're saying when you go back onto the, to the maintenance floor, to the, to the shop floor or whatever floor you're trying to, you know, impact and influence in terms of that bottom line result. But, um, but yeah, but when you understand how to do that for yourself, then you actually can teach that to other people around you too. And that's really important, right? Like I know some people are thinking this is a leadership course. This is just for the, the leaders in the business, but it's not really about that. What we're trying to inspire people to believe is true is that leadership really is just about impacting whoever it is around you that you come into contact with because you have the strategies in your back pocket to actually be able to feel empowered, to be able to inspire those people to want to hear what you have to say, 
to have the strategies to be able to connect with those people in a way that's going to make them receptive to the things that you have to say. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so whether you're actually managing people, um, that's not really what we call leadership. It's just, this is all about just owning your role in whatever capacity you have in the lives of other people. When you walk out that front door, even when you walk back in, because we talked about leadership in the home as well. Um, it's understanding how to do this for yourself because then that really empowers you to be able to really, really like, model that for other people, teach that to, to other people, inspire that for other people. Um, it's just really making sure that you can play your biggest impact game. Yeah, I love it. And it's something like I just wanted to mention, we, you know, I had a couple people reach out to me recently and, you know, they're supervising a few people, whether they're maintenance techs or whatever. And basically they're, they keep asking me a similar question, which is our maintenance guys are making mistakes. We're, we're trying to solve that problem. Like, should we do better job plans? Should we, you know, all these things. And to me, what I see with it is it's a leadership issue. Like one, maybe your people aren't trained and that's, you know, you're going to have to get them training on how to do their jobs. Like that's a, that's a absolutely a valid reason. But a lot of it is the people may be disengaged. They may not understand why they're, they have to fix this thing. It could be breaking, like literally it could be breaking on a weekly basis and they're going like, why do I have to keep coming back to try to fix this thing? Mm -hmm. and like it's all those influence, those, you know, getting into the why, getting into their mindset and really helping them engage with what they're doing. That's really where you're going to get those sustainable results. You're going to get that quality instead of just like trying to hammer them with, Hey, we have to keep going back to fix this. Like, this is your fault. You're stupid. You're whatever. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't work. Well, I think if you fundamentally have a belief system that your colleague or the person that you're directing or training or whatever is stupid, then that probably is just a non-starter in terms of affecting the behavior of that other human being. Um, but, but no, remember we were talking about this, right? Last week is that of $365 billion that's spent, being spent worldwide, globally on leadership development training, 75% organizations reported that it was, you know, ineffective. Like that's a huge stat, kind of like the disengagement stat. So like, what's going on? Um, the training's being done, but it's not modifying the behavior, you know? Um, and this study suggested that's because, um, yeah, there's a gap in terms of missing that, that mindset piece. So we also said only 7% of what you're communicating to other human beings is what you're saying. The other 55% is your body language. The other 38% is just the way you're saying it, the voice, right? The energy in your voice. And that's because it's the state that is actually communicating the message. And that really is what mindset is about. It's teaching you how to think strategically so that you can unlock and elicit certain emotional states that are actually responsible for, for communication and that message getting through effectively. Um, I almost describe it like a drawbridge. It's like if you don't understand strategically what state to be in when you're trying to drive a certain message to another human being, the drawbridge doesn't go down, it doesn't connect, and therefore no information is successfully going to get from one human brain to the other human brain. Um, I think this is a massive gap in terms of the way we're trying to train people. We spent, spend all this money, and what are we doing it for if we're not actually communicating in this, this stuff in a way that's effective? Yeah. And, and even like what I'm seeing is we're trying to go down this route of technology. So 
where my industry is going is like glasses with augmented reality to show people step-by-step what they're supposed to do. And it's like, that's fine. But I mean, how disengaged is the person going to be if you're basically treating them like a robot? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's not inspiring. Let's just first and foremost, like we just said, people are already feeling alone and in a silo and disconnected. And all of that is just, you know, sure you, you ask them to do something, you show them how to do something, but if they're checked out when they're watching whatever that is on the virtual reality glasses, that information still isn't going to get into their subconscious mind in a way that's going to be available to them when they're in a real time situation where they actually need to produce that result predictably, reliably, right? And sustainably. It's just not going to happen. That's like that. That's what we've identified is, is, is the missing piece. It's just, it's the way that we are trying to lead these people in the direction of these goals that is flawed, that is broken. The strategies are broken. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk next one about a little bit about vulnerability because we've always talked about vulnerability being this way to forge connection between people and then connection. Once you have the connection, you're able to sort of use it to influence and lead and, and do all these next level things. So the one thing when I came to you, the belief for me was that vulnerability was weakness. And even, you know, reaching out to you and saying like, Hey, I need help to do this. Like that took a lot out of me to ask. Like I was, I probably should have asked in March of 2019, but it took me until, you know, October of 2019. Right. And so Mm. I think like, first off, maybe let's talk about vulnerability. Like what is vulnerability? I think vulnerability is just uh, showing up, right? And, and expressing your, your, your real self with no guarantee of outcome, which is very scary to most human brains, especially human brains that are hardwired, right? By these externally motivated strategies for safety and predictability. Um, yeah, it's like it's, if we have an external locus of control because we have those externally based strategies, it's like that feels next to impossible, right? To expose ourselves in a way that might actually jeopardize, um, you know, our, our feeling of acceptance from our boss or our colleagues or, or whatever. Um, but I always say, you know, vulnerability is, is not a weakness. Uh, it's a strength. It's, it's, I call it being powerfully vulnerable because if you really understand that we're human beings, not human doings, right? Like we just said, not robots. Um, you understand that that is, a fundamental need for human beings is to be seen. That's why this whole feeling of isolation and loneliness in the world right now is such a problem for our mental health. Um, yeah, I think like, you know, when we're able to open up and be real with people and, and other people can feel that, that's where other people, it gives them permission to open up and be real with us. And I'm sorry, but that's, that's the type of communication that you need if you want your, your team or your business to be fun- functionally or optimi- um, performing optimally, functioning optimally, which is that you, you actually have like real conversations that are happening because that is in fact where you're going to be able to impact and influence that human being and affect change. Um, you know, not only because you can be real with them in terms of whatever it is that you're asking them to do and why that's important, but you're also going to get, you know, the real time feedback from their, their brain in terms of why that's a problem or how they don't know how to do it or which is, 
you know, you, this, you have to be operating on that level of what is real in order to actually impact real change. You know, otherwise it's like, it's, it's based on them saying what they think you want to hear, right? And you're, you're trying to tell them what you, what you think that they need to hear. And it's like, it's not authentic and it's not real. And therefore there's no, there's no sense of that connection, rapport or trust between those human beings. And I think that's what we see in business right now or what I've seen over my career, right? Is it's like, there's a lot of this people pleasing where it's like, even, you know, I told the, the story on my podcast before was I was doing this report and, and I analyzed the data and my manager basically rewrote it to say, to give the answer that his boss wanted to hear. Okay. And it's, it's that right there is just like such a proof of, this lack of vulnerability, not only lack of vulnerability, but how it impacts the results, because now we're going and buying manufacturer A when we should have bought manufacturer B. And there's a cost there to that. And then there, not only is there a cost there to that, there's a cost there to me because I'm going, well, why bother do a report next time if he's just going to write the whole thing himself? Right. And so there's those, yeah. it's more than just you know, hey, we should have bought this. There's also the impact of engagement of mental health, of all these other things that we're seeing. The blind leading the blind. If you're, <laughs> if, if you're not operating on truth, what are you operating on? Yeah. You know, and that's dangerous for a business, right? Because it's, you're not making the right calls if you're not making those calls based on what is actually happening in your business. Yeah, you don't even know. And that's, you know, and, and I guess with vulnerability, like, I think I want to just kind of mention what Clive Lloyd said on a, on a webinar we did together, but basically he said that, you know, vulnerability is a strength. And the reason we know that is because saying nothing takes no, like takes no strength at all. Right. And I think like we can just use that, right. Is if it takes nothing to say nothing, then it takes a lot to say something, right? And I think yeah. that's where I want to start people off with. And then, you know, we can talk about my story about it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, basically, it took me a lot to get to the point where I could share that I had ever been depressed. Mm -hmm. And I thought, for me, like, I mean, you know, the story, because I called you. But the podcast came out was I think it was the 24th of December. And I remember I posted my first quote of the day and just like it, I just had a panic attack and I was, I'd never had one before in my life and I was burning and I called you and you were skiing in Vermont or something, which was <laughs> really nice that you picked up the phone, but always, always for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And it's like, it's really difficult. And like the feelings that I was trying to get over were, you know, what is everyone going to think about it? Mm -hmm. you know, I, are they going to say like, Hey, this guy, we had him, he's our podcast host. You know, he, he's this guy who puts himself out there and now it's, he's not perfect. Mm -hmm. Or should we like, do we even want him in our community anymore? That was like my brain thinking ahead. And what you realize and what I've seen is putting that out there has, has built so much connection. Like I've gotten messages Australia, UK, US, South America, all around the world, people saying like, hey, I've struggled with depression too. Okay. And it's fostered this connection to people that we never had before when we just talked about reliability. 
Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think for me, it's, it's, if I can leave anyone with anything, it's just, it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to come on my show and talk about it, but talk to your, like, it could be even something small about talking to your wife or your husband or talking to your kids, you know, your, one of your closest friends, something like that, because it's going to open up something that you won't even have ever experienced before. Yeah, I think it, uh, it takes courage to be vulnerable, okay? And I think that courage is oftentimes associated with strength. When we think of courage, who do we think of? The military? Like, I don't know, Olympic athletes? Like, oh my God, how are they doing what they're doing right now? It takes so much courage. And it's just like, it's so inspiring for us all to see. But I think that's our association with courage is it legitimately is a strength. And I think that's why there was so much resonance in in your community is that people respect that that took a lot of strength for you to be able to open up and and complete transparency in that way and in a way that revealed your struggles and your roadblocks and your hardships and your deep, dark places. And I think that is what people don't understand is like, that feels good for humans to be able to, to, to see you, you know, for that and to be able to connect with that. Like, how good did that feel when people were reaching out to you and giving you that feedback and thanking you for, for being so brave and, and, and honest and real and vulnerable with all of that stuff? How did it feel on the other side of that courage? Yeah, I mean, it's, it was, it felt incredible. It was feelings I don't think I've ever experienced ever. Yeah. 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 And I think that 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 is what we're talking about as a strategy, right? Is like for for those of us who could go into the world and model that for other human beings, it's inspiring for other human beings. It helped other human beings. It reaches other people, other human beings in a way that affects them all over the globe for you because your community is in freaking (laughs) Australia. You said there's like on the other side of the globe, literally. And it's the power of being able to elicit that type of strategy. Um, yeah, because there's something that you know that you have inside of you that can help somebody else. It's like, it's, it goes beyond just us. It's like service, service to, to other people, which, you know, that sense of, of contribution and impact. That's why we say this is so important for us to go on this mission to play our biggest impact game right now because of the, 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 the state of the world and the context of the world, because of the state of our businesses and disengagement in our business, because of the mental health statistics. That's why we're challenging people to think about vulnerability in a different way, right? Because if we're afraid of vulnerability, then we're going to keep hiding out on the sidelines and we're not going to be in service to our fellow man, you know, like we're not going to be in service to the people that we care about. Like we said, even in the home where leadership is concerned, I think courage, you know, it needs to be something that we all deeply think about right now, because this, this, we're saying we have a chance to get back in the game in a way that changes the, the way the game's played forever. Like we're all saying that we're not happy with the, the way things are going at work, especially in your reliability community. Well, if we know that, and we're saying that, how can we, not be vulnerable and act courageously and have a voice and share our experiences if we know that that's going to be beneficial to the people that you know that we share this space with yeah and and it's you know for me it's yeah like you don't have to be reckless about it i i think that that's one thing like just for listeners you know we don't want you to go and tell your boss like hey you know you're an idiot or something like that but if you're showing up as a leader at work 
it could be something as simple as I know that Clive recommended it on the podcast before, but it's, it could be something as simple as telling your life story to them mm-hmm. and just opening up and just saying like, Hey, you know, this is who I am. This is where I'm from. This is, you know, and not the resume, like not just the list of places you've worked and what jobs mm-hmm. you've done, mm-hmm. but that can be the first step and having your team do that with you can be the first step to opening up kind of a deeper level conversation where you can talk about something that's not working at your plant or your facility. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's, it's hard for people because, you know, they're looking at me going like, you know, if I talk about depression at work, like I'm not going to get that next promotion. And honestly, like I never even considered that when I released my podcast, but I've gotten that feedback. And it's Mm -hmm. like, for me, you know, it, I had to release that because I felt compelled, right? Mm -hmm. I felt like because I thought my experience with the mental health system was so bad and so broken that like Mm -hmm. I needed to say it so then other people would know that there is hope that you could find somebody or someone out there that can help you because it's like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that on another show. I just think if you know that there's a problem, like I think we have the wrong association with the problems that we're observing in our workplaces. It's like we're so afraid of having a voice and speaking up. Like we said, not giving real feedback because we're afraid that it, you know, there's going to be punishment and not getting the promotion is an example of that on the other side of that. I think what we're suggesting is that there's a way to talk about problems that isn't necessarily going to lead to pain. There's a way of talking about problems that can actually lead to solutions. Like that's what the leadership launchpad is all about is like understanding strategic problem solving, like understanding, you know, how to be able to talk about our issues and our roadblocks and all of that, that stuff that people are clearly avoiding and not <laughs> owning or having a voice about. There's a way of, of being able to work through those just first and foremost in the locker room. Cause that's where it's going to feel safe. I always say locker rooms where you warm this stuff up. <laughs> you don't, we're not expecting to go into the workplace tomorrow and just start talking about these issues in a real honest and vulnerable way. We're talking about talking through these sorts of things with like-minded individuals in a safe space where not only are you not going to be punished or judged, you're, you're going to be understood you're going to be supported, you're going to be encouraged, but you're also going to be, there's going to be thought leadership that shows you how to think about those problems in a way that can help you solve them in your own lane, in your own experience, and then help you go and take those strategies to the workplace in a way where there's going to be a greater reception to it. Like that's the opportunity that lies in all of this, learning how you know, to strategically look at this stuff is that we're just, we're not taught how to do that. Like we said, this stuff isn't taught in schools. And for most parts, not being taught in these leadership development programs. We've talked about that too today. Just because we're not talking about doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Like that's, that's the reality that you and I have discovered. That's what we've seen has happened right in front of our own eyes with this podcast and this beautiful community that you've grown that's rallied alongside you. I think you guys are talking about your issues in a way that's really helping one another. Yeah, and it, it we need to, right? And I think that that's part of this conversation right here is we need to, even if it's a small group that we're going to have and we're going to do it behind closed doors, we need to have these conversations because we mm-hmm. need to take our industries to the next level because it's like, it's literally killing people. We talked about the stats last week, right? Like, 
mining three times the rate, suicide rate, uh, construction two and a half times. Like these conversations are not happening in those industries because there's very macho culture. There's very old school management culture and mm -hmm. it's, it's killing people. And I think for, for me, that's the biggest thing, right? Is we need to be able to create connection. We need to be able to create belonging. We need to be personal leaders with how we show up so then we can solve those issues. Right. And it's, you know, like the production will fall out, you know, the, the profitability will fall out, but it's really, it's about everybody showing up, being happy, being engaged and having meaning with what they're doing. Yeah. And I think if, if we can use you as a model for that, Rob, like where we started today, you know, where we first met when you made that really courageous, brave phone call to me asking for help, as it turns out, asking for help is also a strength, <laughs> you know, like, I think that's something that we can all gain from your model because we've all seen you rise up and get so much stronger and, and braver and more impactful. And so I think if that, can be done and we see that in the model that is you then we know that it's possible and if we know that it's possible can we really kind of hide out thinking it's impossible that we can't affect change and therefore that we have to stay disengaged unhappy and depressed i just that that's that's the call right it's like you know we, we just we can't afford to keep burying our heads in the sand of avoidance um now is now is the call to courage is for all of us to try to elicit some of these strategies that we talked about in our own lane. And, and, you know, if we don't know how to raise our hand and make that phone call or whatever it is, um, you know, so that we can empower ourselves to be responsible for ourselves first and foremost, because I think what we're seeing is the ripple effect of you and your work is just, yeah, it's so meaningful, but it's so necessary, you know, right now, given, given the context of how hard things are for so many people. And, and that, that kind of sums it up perfectly, right? We're calling you out. We're calling yeah. you out to get some strength and get some courage and to join us in the Leadership Launchpad Project. Go to robsreliability.com slash leadership to check it out. We got, we got the mugs too. But yeah, it's, you know, it's a 12-week online course. We're gonna, you're going to have the group coaching with both of us as well as the rest of your teammates you're going to have individual coaching with both of us. Mm -hmm. You're going to get online videos. You're going to get homework. You're going to get exercises because at the end of the day, what I want people to get out of this is I want them to implement. Like, I think I've seen so many courses through my career where it's just like, here's some knowledge. And then by the time next week rolls around, you don't do anything. I want you to implement, I want you to actually change your working environment, change your environment at home. And that's where we're going with this. So, yeah. yeah. And it's so much more fun to be on a team, <laughs> shoulder to shoulder with like minds who are all going on that same mission collectively in a meaningful way. Even just that has the ability to change the way your game's being played. You know, it's, um, yeah, I just think it's it's such a, an amazing opportunity and I just can't wait to to see everybody in there. <laughs> Me too. So so if you're listening and you're finding that courage to become the next level leader, join us, robsreliability.com slash leadership. Susan, obviously, thank you again for joining us today. And obviously, we're looking forward to the Leadership Launchpad Project.
So yeah. Yeah. Your, your highest potential is our passion, right, Rob? Let's go. Let's <laughs> unleash it together. We'll see you guys in there. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.